0: Today we're going to tackle something. This is our last sermon in the 40 days in prayer, and we're going to tackle something that I think we would, we would be mistaken if we didn't. How many of you have prayed before and God flat out said no? Prayed for, for healing? He said no. Prayed for somebody else to be healed? He said, he said no. Prayed for, prayed for him to do a financial miracle in your life where just a million dollars dropped out of the sky? Lord, if you love me, put a money tree in my backyard. And he said, no. What do we do? There have been seasons in my life where God said no more than he said yes. And those are tough times. And some some lose their faith over no's. But we're going to talk about how not to do that today. And the reality that some of your prayers are going to be answered by no. And so we're going to dig into this. And I'm, I, am, I believe you're going to be encouraged today, even by a no. Look at your neighbor and say, a no could be encouraging if we take it the right way. So there's many times in Scripture where God promises to answer all your prayers. He promises. One example is Jeremiah 33, verse 3. Call to me and I will answer you. So he says, if you call on me, I'll answer you. Jacob said, you're the God that answers prayer. So God always answers, but he doesn't always answer the way we want. Amen. Anybody ever experienced that? Doesn't always answer the way we want. So we've talked about God not being a genie. By the way, I'm sorry. I never told you guys to stop. Amen. You can stop. Come on, give it up for the band back there. We are blessed when it comes to worship music. Do you realize that? Yeah. So God always answers, but not always the way we want. We've talked over and over in the past seven weeks about God is not a genie in a bottle that you can just rub and him come pop out and give you three wishes. That's not God. He's not a vending machine. We talked about four ways God will answer. Yes, no, wait. Sometimes we misinterpret waiting for no. And maybe we need to grow a little bit. Sometimes we misinterpret a season of growth in our life as no. He's not saying no. He's saying, wait till you're 18. Amen. I say that to my kids all the time. The answer is no now. Come back later on when I think you're more responsible, like in 20 years. And, uh, and maybe we'll talk about it. So he answers us different ways throughout our lives in different prayers. And the Bible's full of God saying no to people. Full of saying no to people who we would read and inherently believe that they had way more faith than we did. They're, they're what we would call icons of the Christian faith and of the... Of God's story. He said, he said no to Abraham. He was an old, 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 old man before he had his first child. So God said no for a long time to Abraham to have descendants. He said no to Moses. He said no to David, the, the, the king that God described as a man after my own heart. He said no to him. He said no to Job. He said no to Jonah, Peter, Paul. Even Jesus got a no answer. So when we're approaching God, there's an expectation that sometimes we're going to get the same thing. It's going to be a no. So we didn't want to walk through this whole sermon series and not deal with the inevitable. What happens when we get a no? It's often confusing. We often think, man, if God loves me, and if he's for me like you say he is, and if he's, and if he's always, if he, can, if he can do anything, Romans 8.20, if he can take anything and work it out for my good, why is he telling me no now? It's oftentimes some of the most confusing periods in our life. If he's loving and all-powerful, why has he denied me? It can be frustrating. Why do, why do some people seemingly get miracles, but I can't? Why do, why do some people pray and people are healed and, and I pray and people aren't healed? Why, do, why does it seem like some people get financial blessing just, um, this is an inappropriate phrase, but, but some people have a golden horseshoe up their butt. You ever heard that? <laughs> yeah. And then it seems like some people pray and pray and pray and pray and, pray and they just struggle with finances. Well, why does, why does one person bless and the other not? Why do some people get relief from pain when they pray and others don't? Why does God say yes and other times say no? I, I think what happens to us, one of, the, one of the biggest pitfalls is, I don't know about you, but I'm always looking for a formula. Formulas make my life easier, don't they? Because if I can, if I know four steps to accomplish anything, I can repeat that over and over and over and over and over again. I, if I know, and there are some formulas. We talked about one last week. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, He's giving you a specific formula. If my people will humble themselves and pray, we talked about that. But God is not all formulas. And sometimes I approach him like that. Lord, I go to church every Sunday. He's like, yeah, but you work there. But still, I go to church every Sunday. And, uh, and I give. And I don't cuss a lot. And um, I only listen to rock and roll music when my son is in the truck. I only... <laughs> Lord, it's him. He's a temptation to me. Um, I only... I only... Um, and I start, I start adding up the formula... That should produce what I wanted to produce. And so I start approaching God for me as a formulaic relationship. God, you said do this, this, and this, and this would happen. So I'm, doing, I'm just checking off all the boxes. And what I have to understand is God is way bigger than any formula that I understand. And, and the risk is that I superimpose my formula to get what I want on top of your life. Mm, Because sometimes you're praying for something different than I'm praying for. I've made jokes about it when it was snowing all the time. I'm praying for it not to snow and some of you are praying for it to snow. Because I'll be honest, when it snows, I lose money. Not in the church, out there. When it snows for some of you, you get a day off and still get paid. So you're praying Lord, let it snow, I'm so stressed out, I need a free day. And I'm like, Lord, if it snows, it means you hate me. <laughs> so you see, who is he, he going to answer? One of us is getting to no. know. Are we dumb enough to think that God is, Lord, it snowed, you didn't answer my prayer. How many of you pray for the Patriots? See, somebody is. Somebody is. Somebody obviously is. How many of you are praying for the Redskins? Not enough. Not enough of you. How about the Nationals? Not enough of you. Bryce Harper's gone. God doesn't like you. They're terrible. So you see, sometimes you pray one thing and your neighbor is praying the exact opposite of what you're praying. Somebody's gonna get a no because our prayers are conflicting. Lord, I want it to be dry and sunny. Lord, I need it to rain. Lord, I need it to do this. I need it to do that. And sometimes our prayers just conflict with other people's prayers and both cannot be answered at the same time. As I said, one kid prays for bad weather so they can miss school. And another is praying for good weather so they can get paid. People are praying for opposing things all the time, and God can't say yes to every one of your prayers. God won't say yes to some of your prayers. Praying for the Redskins, just, it's a no. I'm just telling you that right now, it's a no. So some prayers conflict with other prayers. Some prayers would require God to take away somebody's free will and choice. Have you ever, do you remember as a teenager praying, Lord, make her date me. (laughs) Make him like, make him notice me. Lord, how about we get a little more realistic? Lord, make him stay. Don't let him leave me. Lord, don't let her leave me. Don't don't let me get fired. See, the crazy thing is God God doesn't superimpose the free will that he gave you initially. I don't know about you, but I've never seen somebody come to the cross in handcuffs, put there by our savior. He gives us this unbelievable free will to do whatever we want to do. And yet we pray that he would superimpose or he would would overrule the free will that he gave me in somebody else's life to make them do what I want them to do. Lord, Lord, if you would make her stay, we'll work it out. And God says, "I, I, I gave her a choice at the beginning. I can't make her stay. I can't make him stay. I can't make somebody love you. And so we pray sometimes for God to do things that will will exempt what he already said he was giving us. He's giving us the free will to choose. Another thing, praying for someone sick to stay alive will not always give us a yes. Do you realize if God answered every time we prayed for somebody not to get sick, we would all live forever. But that's, there's no scriptural basis for that. We will live forever in eternity, but not here. The Bible is very clear. It is appointed to man once to die, and then the judgment. So, so if, if every time we prayed, I, I would say this all the time. Lazarus was raised from the dead after four days being in the tomb. His neighbors are going, Jesus, man, he smells bad. We don't want to roll the stone away. And he says, roll it away. He raises him miraculously from the dead. And Lazarus later died again. I wonder how disappointing that was. And here we lay, Lazarus. It's the second time we've done this. And then they're just waiting. I don't know. We'll give him four or five days and then we'll really say he's dead this time. A lot of times we're praying for stuff that God can't answer yes to all the time. And then there's many times the prayer, after the prayer, the no answer comes, and it's just absolutely unexplainable. Some of you have prayed, and then tragedy happens, and there's no explanation for it whatsoever. I want to propose to you this. Some of the biggest mistakes the church makes it's trying to explain things that have no explanation some of the dumbest things we say as christians are trying to explain things about people's life that have no explanation whatsoever do you know what i don't understand all of god so that means i don't have an explanation for all that he does and sometimes we just have to show up in people's tragedies and go i don't know i'm just here i don't know i don't know why it happened i don't know how it happened I don't know how it could happen. And I'm not trying to give you a reason for it. I just want to be here for you. If the church would just embrace the idea that we can't explain away everything, it would save us a lot of heartache. There's sometimes God says no, and there's no explanation on this earth for it. And there won't be one until eternity. It makes no sense. It's tragic. And this is, in these times, it's the greatest test of our faith. Sometimes it's hard when you have an answer, but the more difficult time is when it's hard and there's no answer for it whatsoever. God says no, and there's, there's no reason for it. You can't just flip through scripture or Google a, a, a verse and, and get it right away and go, oh yeah, 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 that's why all this happened. Sometimes there's just no answer. The tragic accident, the unexpected death, the dashed dream, the unfulfilled lifelong Goal the denied request. Sometimes it's unbearable. So I want to cover a few things. We've covered a couple reasons why God might say no, but I want to, I want to dig into that a little more. But then the, the important thing at the end of this that I want you to lean into is our response to when God says no. Because I don't know about you, but I've never been able to control how God answers my prayer. Any of you? Okay, nobody's better than me then. That's great. We're all on the same plate. I was afraid somebody's like, yeah, he does whatever I ask. So so we're all kind of on, we're all on evil, evil. We're all on even ground. The first one might have been more accurate. We're all on even ground here. That, that we can't. Sometimes it's a mystery the way God answers, but but where we can differ is our response to the way he answers. And that's what I want to challenge you at the end of our service, how we respond. There are a thousand good reasons why God might say no. We're going to cover a couple of these. But I want... I want to caution you right now. I'm going to cover three reasons that God might say no, but these are not for you to give to other people. These are only to comfort yourself. Because unless God has told you specifically why something has happened, don't act like you know. Here's what we do. Here's what we do. crazy hurricane. Do you remember... um, the hurricane that crushed Louisiana. You remember that Katrina? There were Christians going, Oh, that was the judgment of God on the state of Louisiana. Right? So, so the whole state was bad. You'll hear, you'll hear your religious people say stuff like that. Oh, That was a judgment of God on those people. Or somebody will die in a family and they'll say, oh, I know why that happened. God was blah, 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 blah. So when I give you these reasons, don't apply them to somebody else's life unless you know specifically the doctor said this is why they got sick. Okay, the doctor said this is why they got sick. Other than that, I don't know because God didn't say anything to me about it. And anytime we infer that we know something that God did, we're on very dangerous ground. And I've been to a lot of funerals in almost the last 20 years where I've heard people say things that I'm just like, zip it. You have no idea what you're talking about. So these are to comfort ourselves. Don't walk into a tragedy and go, I know why God did this. Don't do it. So, are you ready? Here we go. Here we go. Are you ready? I don't know if you're confident or not. God says no when He has a bigger perspective. I'm about 5'10. I told my wife the other day I'm shrinking. I can I can have a perspective from about right around this area. As a leader, you try to get a higher perspective. You try to—they call it the forty thousand foot look, where you try to get up above what's going on and be able to see down. You don't get tangled up in the everyday. This person's doing this. This person—you try to get up above all the mess and look down and try to see how things are working and, and what you can do to make things better. Leaders try to do that all the time. How can, I get, uh, how can I get out of doing this so I can see the whole picture? The issue is, no matter how hard I try, I can only get above it so far. Amen? So, but even as a leader of, of, an, of a church like this, I can have a perspective sometimes that nobody else has. So I can make a decision based on things that nobody else would make the the way I'm making it because I see more. Because I'm looking at not just one piece, I'm looking at 30 pieces. So take that analogy and apply it to God, who never sleeps, who is all-knowing, all-powerful, He knows everything that's happening at the same time. So not only does he know everything that's currently happening, he knows everything that did happen and everything that will happen. He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. So he can take what's currently happening to everyone on the planet and apply it to what will happen to everyone on the planet and work it all out at the same time. I'd say that's a pretty high view of everything. Amen? So sometimes God says no because his perspective is different. He just flat out knows more than I do. He knows more than you do. And he knows how every one of us is complicated and intertwined. Our lives are so connected. He knows that if a decision I make will affect you 20 years down the road. He already knows that. You're like, I knew it was a bad idea coming to this church. <laughs> he already knows all that. And so he has this perspective that we can't see. He sees a whole picture. Hebrews 4.13, he knows about everyone everywhere. Everything about us is bare and wide open to the all-seeing eyes of our living God. Nothing can be hidden from him. So he's all-knowing, and our problem is we have a limited perspective. You hear this a lot in politics and, and actually in leadership as well. It's the law of unintended consequences. How many of you have ever had to deal with unintended consequences? (laughs) I love those. You make a decision and it seems like the most genius thing you could do in the moment. Six months later, you're like, oh, I didn't realize that was going to happen. Come on, you married people. You know what I'm talking about. He is so awesome. Look at his eyes. He is amazing. You get married and you're like, oh, oh, he snores like a train wreck. I didn't realize you were getting 30 pounds the first year. Unintended consequences, right? Oh, your mom's cooking is great. And you're fat. What happened? So... So the issue is we can't anticipate all the consequences that are coming with any of our decisions. God can. Every consequence is expected when God looks at it. Every consequence is expected. Because if you could see your life the way God sees your life, your prayers would be different. If I saw what God saw, I would never pray a prayer that would get a get a no answer. I'd already know what to pray, but I don't, get the, I don't get that vantage point. And so inevitably, sometimes I'm going to pray, and he's going to say no because his perspective is different. And so I can't imagine if he answers a prayer I'm praying, how it could affect other people. I try, but there's no way I can imagine that. So sometimes God says no because he says you don't understand how it's going to impact everything, and I can't. Proverbs 2, eight says God guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. He guards and protects. So sometimes no, is I've got a perspective that you don't have and I need to guard your direction. I need to guard the direction you're going. Doesn't mean he's going to pull you out of the frying pan. It just means he might protect you from burning up. Watch this. Daniel prayed that he would get that he would stay out of the lion's den. Only to be thrown in the lion's den. God made the lions not hungry that night. So he goes into the lion's den. Something God told him, he he says, don't don't let me go in the lion's den. God said, No, you're going to the lion's den. Are you kidding me? But God's perspective on Daniel going into the lion's den was bigger than Daniel's perspective. Obviously, if you or I were going to the lion's den, we'd say, oh, man, God, this is a bad time to say no. This is a really bad time to say no. I mean, I've got my judo lion skills up a little bit, but I watched some YouTube videos about how to wrestle a lion. It's all good, but I'm a little nervous. I've only practiced against two, and there's three in there. So he goes into the lion's den, but God's perspective was if you go in and I protect you when you come out, the king will see it different. Daniel, you got to trust me. My no means I got a bigger thing for you. How about the three Hebrew boys that go into the fiery furnace? They tell the king, hey, listen, our God can deliver us, but even if he doesn't. What kind of faith is that? Man, you, could you muster up enough faith to say, Lord, heal me, but even if you don't. And so, the, so he says, no. I'm not delivering you from the furnace. What I'll do is I'll use the furnace to burn the ropes off. And I'll let the king see four people in the furnace when he knows he only put three. And then when you come out Your perspective will be like mine then when I'm going to use it to impact the whole country. And so sometimes no just means you don't understand the whole situation. And we've seen it over and over again in our lives where God says no and we weep and we cry and we mourn only to turn around a couple years later and go, jeez, how did you work that out? How did you do that? He's like, Chris... (laughs) For the seven other time, I already knew. I'm like, yeah, I got that. I was just seeing if you did. <laughs> Saint uh, the Apostle Paul's greatest prayer was the preaching row. You can imagine you, you've had prayers like that before where you want to do something big. You can imagine in Paul's mind, like, I'm gonna go to the Colosseum and I'm gonna pack it out. God said no to Paul's version of how he wanted to go to Rome. I don't even have to guess Paul never dreamed of going to Rome in chains. His prayer was that, Lord, send me to Rome. And by the way, I'd like to get arrested. And I'd like to be shipwrecked. And I'd like to just make the most difficult trip ever to Rome. No, I bet she was saying Man, send a couple people I like. We'll take a leisurely journey to Rome. We'll stop off at a couple places and have a burger. And when we get there, there'll be people waiting on me. And I will have a green room. And they'll have all my favorite snacks in it. And I'll be able to go out and preach. And everybody will love it. And I'll get a TV show and a talk show. And, and it'll be awesome. And God said, no. You're going to go in chains. You'll be shipwrecked. you are going to almost die. After you're shipwrecked, I'm going to let you get bit by a snake. And when you get there, I'm gonna let you write some really, really, really good letters to churches. They're gonna impact generations. And you're gonna write things like, Don't be ashamed of these chains because they're for the gospel. And Paul, if you would have been able to preach to Colosseums, the letters wouldn't have said the same thing. You'd have been you'd have been bragging about your success. But because you went in chains, you can say these. These momentary and light sufferings are not to be compared with the glory that would be revealed in us. Because you went in chains, you can write good letters to the churches. His perspective was different. Sometimes God says no because his perspective is different. It's the second thing. Sometimes God says no when he has a better plan. Now, I know you're like me and your plan is the best plan every plan. Right? And you'll argue it to the death. No, 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 we're gonna do it my way. My way is always better. But sometimes God has a better plan for you than your own plan. Anybody ever experienced that? Sometimes God's plan is better than yours. Period. Full stop. End of story. God has a better plan for you than you do for yourself. Isaiah fifty five, eight through nine, God says this This plan of mine is not what you would work out. Neither are my thoughts the same as yours, for my ways are higher than your ways. Did you hear that? God has a better plan for you than you've devised on yourself. You think your plan is good. God make me rich and content. God says, No, nah, I got something better than that. Make me not care about anything, Lord. Just give me a carefree life. I want to fly away to a Caribbean island. And just bask in the sun and have people bring me drinks with umbrellas in them because I don't want my drink sunburned. I mean, that's why you have umbrellas, right? I don't understand that. You gotta realize God has more than one way of doing things. You heard that, right? More than one way to skin a cat? It's not politically correct now. Cats are like protected. God has more than one way of skinning a cat. Unlike you, his options are unlimited. You ever used to read those books when you were a kid where you could pick the ending? They're making movies like that now. Where you can pick the ending. I'm like, well, that's stupid. You already know what's coming. No, but when you used to read the mystery books it, when you were in, in elementary middle school, uh, you could you could flip to the... When you got to a certain point, they say, turn to this page for this ending and turn to that page for that ending, turn to that page. God has an infinite number of those type of things. God has an infinite number of options how to get you where he wants you to go. Let me take a side note here. Some of you are upset because you failed in a season of your life and you had this goal out here, you were A and you want to get to B and and you... Well, let's say this, you're at A and you want to get to D, and now you find yourself at B over here and you don't think there's a path. I don't care if you've got to go through the whole alphabet, God can still get you there. His options are limitless when it comes to his plan for your life. He doesn't quit because you sinned yesterday. He doesn't quit because you failed at this job. He doesn't quit because you failed at that or failed at this. No, he can rearrange all kinds of things. So sometimes he's saying no because, he's, because you've given up on what he hasn't given up on. And so you've altered your plans because you failed and God had planned for you to fail the whole time. Because he knows the impact of sin in our lives. So he said, that failure is not going to keep me from accomplishing what I want to accomplish in them. So you've given up. And he says, No. No, you can't give up now. You can't give up. No, I already already put failure in the mix. So I'm still taking you to the place I want you to go. Sometimes says no to you quitting. You better say amen more. I'm getting a complex. (laughs) Think about this. If you're in debt right now, God might not get you out of debt the way you're praying. We've had financial peace classes here for ten years, and anybody who's went through that class and become debt free, God never put a money tree in their backyard. Stop praying for some wacky, off the wall win the lottery miracle. Because God could get you a job that pays more. He could have you spend less money. You ain't never prayed that. Lord, I pray that you make me more disciplined so this debt would go away. God ain't never said no to that. You want to pray a prayer he'll never say no to? That one. God, make me more disciplined. No, I like you frivolous. No. But we ask him for crazy things. No, he's got a way. He could get you out of debt a thousand different ways. God, your will for my life is to not be entrapped by this debt. And I believe you're going to work your will out in my life. Make me, make me make it obvious to me how you want to do it. Don't lock God up in a box and get frustrated because your neighbor didn't come over and give you a million dollars. Lord, I know they got it. They're just so stingy. Sometimes he's got a different way of doing it. One of the things we can learn through this is stop praying God bless the plan that I've already made and start saying, God, I want your plan because you've got the bigger perspective. Jesus prayed that, didn't he? Not my will, but yours be done. Remember when we're praying throughout the day? That was your mid-morning prayer to get the right perspective. Lord, it's not my will, but yours be done. And so I want your will to happen in my life. That's something he says yes to every time. All right, the third way that God says no. God says no when he has a greater purpose. God will never let your prayer interfere with your purpose. That's why it's important to know what God wants you to do. I cry out to the Most High who fulfills his purpose for me. Listen, God is not obligated to explain why he does what he does. How many of you have... Have kids in here that are a little older, because some of you may be in this season right now. Do you ever, when your kids were younger, did you ever have them say stuff like, um, "You say no, you can't do that," and they say, "Why?" Yeah. You're not old enough for me to even answer that yet. <laughs> you don't get a why. And then you, you give them a good reason. They go, why? Give them a good reason. Why? Give him a good reason why. Give him a good reason why. Give him a good reason why. So I just start making up dumb stuff. Like, why can't I do that, Dad? I don't know, because it's, it's sunny today. Or you you blaming on their mother? Just I don't know, your mom doesn't want you to do it. Go ahead, I don't know. Blame it on the neighbor. I don't know, the neighbor's a convict. I don't know, I don't want you outside today. Sometimes God doesn't tell us and he says no because the purpose is greater than we can understand right now. And he can't explain it to us. And it's like trying to explain something complicated to a three-year-old. You tell them no because you know the purpose for their life. You know how you want them to grow up. And so you say no, but you, but, but, they say why. And, and, and you instantly go to, they're not going to, even if I tell them they can't they're not going to understand it. So sometimes it's that way with us. Even if he tells us we wouldn't understand at the time. 1 Peter 1, 7, actually Peter says this, the purpose of these troubles is to test your faith, is fire test how genuine gold is. Your faith is more precious than gold. Sometimes it's a trial to grow us. And if God told us that in the middle of it, we wouldn't understand it. We're to figure it out at the end. 2 Corinthians four seventeen. I alluded to this earlier. It says, these present troubles are quite small and won't last very long, yet they will produce for us an immeasurably great glory that will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see right now. Rather, we look forward to what we have not yet seen. For the troubles we see will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. Thank you, Lord. There's some things you won't understand till heaven. There's some things that will never change till heaven. Sometimes we're suffering for the benefit of others. Did you hear that last one? Sometimes we're suffering for the benefit of others. It's the purpose that God has for our life. And we don't understand it in the moment. Okay, you Ready? Three things, how we respond when God says no. If you're taking notes, write these down. Come on. If you're taking notes, if you're not taking notes, shame on you. When God says no, this is what I want you to think about. Trust that God does everything in goodness and love. Man, we started out this thing saying God is good. This whole prayer journey, we started out saying God is inherently good. And all good things come from him. Psalms twenty-five, ten: all the ways of the Lord are loving. Not a few of them, all of them. Romans eight, twenty-eight: come on, a ton of you know this. And everything, God works for the good of those who love him. Anytime God says no, it's working out for the good. But what happens is when he says no, Satan tries to come in with those doubts, right? Well, it's because he doesn't love you. It's because he's not concerned about you. It's because he doesn't care. No. Romans 8.28 says, even when I say no, I'm working it out for your good. Second way we respond. We have to pray what Jesus prayed facing the cross. Listen. I need you to to get this right here. Because sometimes we sanitize scripture emotionally. Sometimes we sanitize it. The Bible says that in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was under so much pressure, his sweat was like drops of blood. Some theologians actually believe he was hemorrhaging from the stress. If there's anyone in the building that thinks Jesus being fully human and fully God... Wanted to go to the cross like it was a picnic. That's not the Jesus that the Bible describes. The Jesus that the Bible describes had a bunch of his friends around him. Went to the garden for the sp- specific purpose to pray that it wouldn't happen. And he took Peter, James, and John in a little further. And he couldn't get, even get them to stay awake the whole night. Look, could you just watch and pray with me? And it said when he walked away, they'd fall asleep. Well he goes off by himself and he kneels down. And it said he was under such stress that he was possibly hemorrhaging. And he prayed out, Father. He didn't pray out, Father, if it be your will. <laughs> it's emotion. A guy that knew he was dying. A guy that didn't not not a not a heart attack he was going to the cross it was unimaginable what would happen to him before he got to the cross there's nobody in modern history right now that can that can fathom the beating he took before he got there and so when he prayed it wasn't some proper church prayer it's full of tears and emotion and uncontrollable anguish there's any way if there's any way you can take this from me it was out of pain that he said not my will but yours be done it wasn't a flippant prayer like I don't have to pray this I already know it was difficult and there's going to be times in your life where God says no and you're going to have to pray that way You know what? That's why I hate going to funerals and hearing people say, you don't have to grieve. You better grieve. Jesus did. Jesus did. You better wail. God says no sometimes in your life it's going to be the most painful thing you've ever experienced. It's not child's play when God says no sometimes. It's real. I remember the story of Lazarus. Jesus... Jesus, his friend dies. There's this complicated thing that happens where he doesn't go right away, and then he shows up, he's already been dead four days. But the beautiful part of what happens is Jesus gets there, and, and the shortest verse in Scripture, Jesus wept. But we cut it off because it's the shortest verse in Scripture, Jesus wept. they are like, okay, now it's time to raise him from the dead, everybody party. No, but I want you to think about how this happened. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him. Let me back up to verse 30. Jesus had stayed outside the village at a place where Martha met him when the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily. They assumed she was going to Lazarus' grave to weep. So they followed her. That everybody is weeping. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet. Lord, if you'd only been here! That wasn't, Lord, if you'd only been here. It was, Lord, if you'd only been here. She's weeping. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and was deeply troubled. When people died around Jesus, he got furious. Where have you put him, he asked. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. He wasn't controlling his emotions to look tough in front of the crowd right before he raised him from the dead. No, it said he was weeping right along with everybody else. This was my friend too. People around him said, see how much he loved them. You know, it plagues the church. Sometimes we show up at people's funerals and we go, oh, God's grace is sufficient and we don't weep and it makes no sense to the person weeping. Why don't we just shut up sometimes and cry? Job's friends, the best thing they did before they started being dumb was they showed up and it said for seven days, they sat there and said nothing. And then they started coming up with dumb reasons why God was doing what he was doing to Job. And at the end of it, God said, you guys are stupid. You have no idea what you're talking about. If you'd have just sat there and been quiet, you'd have been useful. But you started making up a bunch of stuff that you don't know what you're talking about. Sometimes we just have to show up when God says no. Sometimes we just have to show up for people and go, I don't even know why either. This is terrible. I just want to weep with you. And Jesus did that. So watch what happens. Jesus saw her weeping, saw the other people wailing with her, deep anger, well up within him. He was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked. And they told him, come and see. Then Jesus wept and the people were standing nearby and said, see how much he loved him. But, but some said this man could heal the blind. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb in a cave, a cave with a stone across his entrance, the roll and rolled. Entrance, roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he's been dead for four days. The smell's still terrible. These tears are coming down their faces when they're talking. Verse 40, Jesus responded, and I don't think this was with a non-choked up voice. I think this was, think this was just trying to get it out. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? I'm just as mad as you that this happened. I'm just as mad as you that this sinful world, I'm just as mad as you that it seems like a no right now. I'm just as mad as you that we didn't get the answer we wanted. Sometimes no is just tough. But God is still good. God is still good. He's still working it out for our good. So my response to him is, Lord, it hurts really, really bad. But you're still God. And your grace is still enough. The third thing we respond is expect God to give his grace to handle his answer. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through 10. we, We repeat this scripture, but we should be crying when we repeat it. Paul said this three times. I prayed to the Lord about this. The Bible says that Paul had a physical affliction that he'd been praying about. A guy that could lay on a kid who fell out of a window and heal him instantly. He's dead when he gets down to him and he lays on him and, and he heals him. And in his own body, he prays, Lord, if you would take this away from me. No be persistent. Lord, I'm going to come back. Lord, if you'd take this away from me. No. Lord, I still believe you can do it. Would you take this away from me? And he said no again. Three times, the apostle Paul gets shut out. And he writes this. Three times I prayed to the Lord about this and asked him to take it away. But his answer was this. My grace is all you need for my power is greatest when you are weak. So Paul writes this, I gladly boast about my weaknesses so that Christ's power can flow through me for when I am weak, then I am strong. Now we, we want to shout that. We want to go, when I'm weak, he's strong. I don't think that's the way Paul wrote it. I think he wrote it as a frail old man still suffering from the effects of a no. And I think it came out more like this. But I'm weak. Whew, strong. Some of you are sitting in here this morning and you've got some nose stacked up. You wanted to play tough. You've been given advice that you gotta be tough. And sometimes they make no sense whatsoever. And our best response to God is through tears and weeping to say, at least I know you're strong. At least I know you're strong. And I was thinking this morning that I've lived long enough. Don't let this, don't let this hipster hipster shirt fool you. I've lived long enough to see God say no enough. I was eight years old when my dad got sick, never ran another day in his life, couldn't, couldn't do baseball practice with me, couldn't do football, never could do any of that stuff with me. But his plan and his purpose was greater than anything we could imagine. The only reason I'm standing in Berkeley County, West Virginia today is because my, my dad, after 28 living, 28 years, never worked another day in his life. We used to play tricks on him. He he has has no balance center. Uh, Nerves in his brainstem died. He'd go into the bathroom and we'd turn the light out on him. Don't laugh at me. It was funny. If he went under the water in a pool and didn't have his feet on the ground, he couldn't tell which end was up. You want to talk about greater purpose? I had no idea. We moved to Martinsburg, West Virginia lived in my grandparents' basement for a year and my mom made our clothes. Had no idea. You don't think our family didn't pray for God to heal him? You don't think I didn't go to baseball practice and say, man, I wish my dad would come out here. I don't understand why God won't heal him. We prayed, we prayed, we prayed, we prayed. And it wasn't probably until I became a pastor here at Hedgesville Church that I went, you got me. but the you were strong while I'm weak came through tear after tear after tear after tear. In the last five years, my wife and I have experienced, Lord, so awesome to why, God, are you saying no? And through tear after tear after tear, you realize his purpose. You realize his strength. And so sometimes when he says no, we just gotta cry. And we gotta, we got to realize that there's a grieving process to go with the no. And it's fine. But like Paul says, after I've prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and you said no, the grace is what I needed. And it's still what gets me through. So no matter how frail I am, no matter how sick I am, no matter how painful this body is, tears streaming down my face, I could say, God, I still trust you. If you bring another no tomorrow, I'll still trust you. Come on, stand to your feet. I want to give you some space this morning. Some of you have been told no this week. Some of you were told no 10 years ago. You still haven't dealt with it. You held the tears back. You held the grief back. You just tried to tough it out. Some of you got told no recently. You have no earthly idea why. You don't know what to do about it. You don't know how to function. You don't know what. You're just confused and that's fine. God knows all of that stuff. And there's a process of trusting him. And we get the opportunity to respond this morning. And if we have to respond through tears, let's do it through tears. The time to play tough is over. The time to realize that sometimes no hurts. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it's tragic. Sometimes we don't understand it. And as a church, the worst thing we could do is give some flippant explanation for Well, this is why God did this. Then the best thing we could do is cry with people. Until God changes the circumstance, sometimes we just have to weep with people. And I'm so thankful that Jesus didn't walk in and say, everybody stop crying. Thankfully, he came in and cried with everybody. And if we could get that right with the people you work with, with your family, with your spouse, with your kids, that sometimes it's not, all oh, God will take care of it. It's sometimes, I don't know why this happened either. I'm just going to lay down and cry with you. It would give Jesus the opportunity to step in and do something. Amen. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to pray. And if your life is going swimmingly and God has answered yes to everything recently and you're fine, you can go grab another cup of coffee and hit the road. But if you're standing here this morning and I'm talking directly to you, we got another 10 minutes. Why don't you just walk up front? There's There's some people on staff here. My wife's gonna come up. We just wanna cry with you. We just want to say, hey, listen, I know what, I don't know what a no feels like. I know it hurts, but God is good. Today, we're just going to cry and let God be good to us. Can we do that together as a church? We're going to end this prayer thing a good way. Father, we thank you this morning. Thank you for being good to us. Thank you. Thank you, God, through tears, your grace is enough. Thank you. Thank you that I'm not the only one getting to no, know, Lord, but there's other people in here who I can weep with. Thank you, God, that even in a no, you love us. Thank you, God, that even in a no, there's purpose for my life. Thank you God that even in a no You're blessing me We adore you this morning. You are the author and finisher of our faith. And Lord, my hope is not here. But it's in you. Encourage us today as we pray together. In Jesus mighty name We ask amen, amen, and amen.